Welcome to the Executive Function Podcast, where we make the invisible keys to success easy for you to teach your child. We'll go beyond theory to proven action, helping you create peace and independence at home and at school. With your host, educational author, award-winning teacher, and celebrated learning coach, Sarah Kesti. Hey tribe, what a few weeks it's been. And I am so sorry I haven't been on the podcast recently. We've had a few hiccups behind the scene where life got a little lifey. We're all healthy and doing fine now, so that is really the very best we can ask for. Still, I've missed our tribe tons, and I'm so happy to reconnect with this week's episode. During our podcast break, I heard from several of our tribe members who are sharing their successes and their struggles. I absolutely love being able to geek out and share the love with all of you. Thank you to those of you who are sharing the show with others. You never know who is going to find exactly what they need to hear or read on the blog and get that just right strategy for their challenges. I feel beyond grateful to be making these connections and this impact with all of you. It's kind of always been my dream job. It's a little bit of pinch me moments that it's happening. Ah, it makes me very happy. Okay. When you have some time this week, will you rate and review the show? It really helps get this into the ears of others. And a final nuts and bolts note. We are moving our website over, which means some of the links we mentioned on the earlier shows aren't active anymore. I'm so sorry for this. As always, though, we have strategized that struggle too. So you can email me directly at sarah at sarahkesti.com with an H, (laughs) S-A-R-A-H, and I'll send you the freebie you're looking for plus a few extras. And I promise the new site will be worth the growing pains. It will have even more resources for you to use with that awesome kid of yours or on your own brain, because face it, we need these organizing, planning, and brain hacks too. Hey, speaking of your awesome kid and brain hacks, are you wondering lately where your awesome kid's spirit went? Are they dragging through classes and needing approximately 6,734 reminders to get moving? I've been in that boat on and off lately too, which made me step back and strategize this struggle. How do we get motivated during times of low energy or when we're overwhelmed with to-do lists? This week, I'm going to teach you why your kid's brain might not be motivated and how to change the situation. But first, we need to look at motivation itself. Motivation feels good. It's where ideas swell and dreams form, where you connect where you are with where you want to be. Neurochemically speaking, motivation is heavily related to dopamine, which makes us want more. Personally, I love to read about brains and teaching and coaching and recipes. I actually enjoy meal planning for the week. But doing the work after the initial excitement is sometimes challenging. It's very different. Even fun things can seem like hard work after that initial motivation fades. So what happens between our idea generating and our action production stages? 
For one, dopamine is a fickle friend. Once it's done its job and gotten you to pay attention to the new and novel, it will dissipate, leaving you wanting more. And side note, the book, The Molecule of More, is great on this subject. The day after you created your awesome next day kick butt schedule, your brain will be familiar with the content and won't have as much dopamine at the ready. Translation, it will be harder to focus and feel excited. Think about it this way. Motivation can be present and we still won't get to the goal without strategies to move there. Your child can state all the ways he or she is going to do better yet fall right back into old familiar habits, even when you've tried every which way to motivate them and they say that they are indeed motivated. Here's what we need to strategize. We can find other ways to get our brains on board and engaged in our commitments, even when we don't feel that classical motivation to do the tasks. When you're frustrated that your kid seems unmotivated, Did you feel the air quotes there? (laughs) It might be that you're actually just worried that he or she isn't independently getting the work done. They might be super motivated to avoid the work. Hello, daytime naps and 20-minute pencil sharpening. (laughs) So motivation itself isn't lacking. It's just that your kids' actions aren't matching your expectations. And that's something much easier to strategize and solve. Here are some reasons it may look like your child is lacking motivation and the solutions that go with them. Reason number one, the task is overwhelming. That's one reason we might look unmotivated and I'm sure you've experienced that too. Our brains want us to stay alive and often that means preserving energy. It takes a lot of energy to get going when you think something will be difficult. Getting going becomes just one more task on the long to-do list, something we have to complete before we even get started. All of us tend to avoid things we think are too much work. (laughs) High taxes, that would be you. Plus, you might be reinforcing this in your child by accident. Okay. Does this sound familiar? Your kid has a big multi-step project to do. You remind her every evening after school for two weeks until it's the night before it's due. She hasn't started and you don't want her to fail. So you grit your teeth and you jump in and you break the task into parts for her. You take the lead in parceling out the actions into manageable steps and voila. Your child is able to complete the project. Waiting to start was rewarded by you giving her the help she needed. In this example, the help was breaking it into smaller chunks or actions. So, when a task seems overwhelming and you worry your child isn't motivated to do it, chances are she just can't see the steps to get it done. Here's what to do. First, Ask your child to make and then verbalize or draw out the mental movie of doing the task. Each scene can then become a step to do. This helps break down the task into bite-sized pieces. 
or see if you can find a comparable task to use as like a to-do list template. If he's done it before, he can more likely see himself doing it again. This reference can help build up the confidence and decrease the overwhelm. Another reason your kid might appear to be unmotivated is they feel like they won't be good at it. Scientists who study behavior change have noticed perceived ability to do the new behavior is a requirement to adopt a change. I repeat, you have to believe you can in order to do something. And this sounds like no duh, but think about it. How many times have we told a kid to just do whatever without checking in about his understanding? And this is a good spot to remind all of us. Sometimes, most times, the crappy behavior we see, like apathy or naughtiness, are just cover-ups for the kids feeling like they can't do something. We'd all rather be bad than dumb. We'd all rather appear aloof than vulnerable. Check in with your kid to uncover feelings of inability or confusion. The lazy that you see on the outside may actually reflect a perceived inability to do it. In adults, by contrast, we often seek busy work to take up space instead of actually doing the task we perceive as difficult or we think we might not be good at. Our brains are so tricky. To see if perceived lack of ability is what's holding your child back, ask them questions like, how do you feel about this assignment or task? What do you understand about it? What do you not understand? Tell me what it would look like to be successful with this. How do you feel about your ability to do this? What help do you think you might need? Another reason your kid might look unmotivated from the outside is that their mental energy is spent. They need that rush of adrenaline when they're up against a deadline to get going. So, Sometimes procrastination serves us. First, it games our brains to support us. Adrenaline kicks in when we're up against a deadline, which gives us a boost of energy and focus. I have many students and clients who unconsciously do this to themselves. They put off tasks until the last few hours before a deadline, get tons of last minute energy, and crank out the work. Success with this strategy often overrides the negative experience of feeling pressured or missing sleep, but I'd caution anyone not to rely too heavily on this. Yes, your brain can kick in last minute, but if your work depends on outside factors, like say getting a poster board from the store, you may run into pitfalls that you can't overcome. The second way procrastination serves us is it provides a built-in excuse for our projected failure. If we think we won't do well anyway, sometimes subconsciously, then leaving something to the last minute is a great way to set ourselves up for failure and explain it with a timing excuse rather than exposing a potential vulnerability. I could have done it better, but I left it to the last minute. 
I barely spent any time on it. So this line of thinking is deceptive. And another way our brains protect our egos and keep us safe from change. So how can you help your kid or yourself with procrastinating? Well, start by noticing it in yourself. Think aloud about what you dread and delay and agree to work on improving these habits alongside your child. You can coach and encourage each other. There are lots of strategies to help with task management like backwards planning too. But since this issue seems to persevere mostly unnoticed, I'd say the biggest bang for your effort book is to become aware of its presence. What do you notice yourself or your child think or say when you're about to procrastinate? What types of escaping tasks do you seek to avoid the harder tasks like busy work, video games, eating, cleaning, socializing? I tend to recognize that when I feel like doing dishes, probably I'm avoiding something. (laughs) All right, another reason your child might appear unmotivated and some strategies to deal with it is that maybe your kid's self-determination ingredients are missing. I hope I didn't lose you. You know I'll walk you through this. Here we go. So there is a motivation researcher named Dr. Chu and he says that there are three ingredients that he calls vitamins and minerals that are vital to motivation. So for motivation we need to have autonomy I can do it and I have choices. We need to have competence. I will be good at it and my efforts will pay off. And we need relatedness. My actions are seen and valued and I contribute to others. If you wanted a learning chunk to hold this in your brain, you could think about it like CAR. The C-A-R, Competence, Autonomy, Relatedness. Let's apply Dr. Chu's research to a math practice test. If your child can't connect the math concepts to present or future life, or if he feels like he must complete the assignment rigidly, like not able to choose when, where, how he proceeds through the work, then he's missing autonomy. If your child feels like he won't be able to do well on the test or hasn't understood the recent materials, then he's missing competence. Or if your child feels like his math teacher hates him and the kids in class think he's dumb, then he's missing relatedness. It's likely that your child may go through some times where all three ingredients are missing. And well, that's when we must ask ourselves if we could actually overcome the obstacles and jump in too. Grown-ups are really quite good at avoiding things we won't be good at, or things we think we won't be good at, or things someone a long time ago said that we weren't good at. For my own example, I was born with a neuromuscular condition that deformed my feet and still causes me chronic pain. Growing up, it looked like I wasn't motivated to exercise because I didn't play sports very often or very heartily as my friends did. I was missing autonomy because doctors and other helpful adults told me to avoid activities and just sit it out. So I really only saw limited options. I was missing competence because I was told that my 
condition would only progress and get worse no matter what I did. And I was missing relatedness. I fell a lot, especially as a kid, and kids laughed at me. I was for sure the last one picked for teams, so I dreaded that too. Is it any wonder I didn't even try to work out until my 20s? Even though my first job was in a gym, yeah, the universe has a weird sense of humor. I just wasn't motivated until I changed my own motivation ingredients. I had to rethink my autonomy for working out. I did have choices in activities I tried or how I tried or adapted them. I could positively impact my own fitness. Weightlifting has made my ankles so much stronger that I rarely fall anymore. And I could also connect with others who have challenges and those who don't by being open about my story and inviting others to connect. Take some time to think about the motivation ingredients at play for your child. Chances are there are patterns to recognize, like your child starts off the semester strong but fizzles out of steam. Probably losing a sense of competence, my efforts don't matter, or possibly missing the relatedness, my peers are beyond me or my teacher doesn't like me. Another pattern that shows you that those motivation ingredients, car, competence, autonomy, relatedness are missing is when your child avoids one or two topics most strongly. That could indicate that they're probably experiencing a dip in autonomy, like I can't control how I do it, so I won't do it at all. Or maybe missing some competence, like why try at this point? You can also listen to how your child talks about the schoolwork or particular classes and then compare what he says to the rhetoric of the three motivation ingredients, autonomy, competence, relatedness. The words and phrases they choose can shine a light on what ingredients are missing. A last reason your child may look like they're lacking motivation is that the feedback loop is too long. Surprise, surprise, our brains are designed to keep us alive. Part of that job involves evaluating if certain actions are beneficial or not. I touch the hot stove, I experience pain. My brain tags touching hot stoves as not beneficial and keeps the memory as a tool so I can steer my future decisions. I eat sugar, I experience feeling good. My brain tags eating sugar as beneficial, rewarding me with immediate feel-good brain chemicals, and then associating sugar with pleasure so that I will seek it more and more, and more and more. (laughs) These are clear and easy examples, but what happens to our brains when we don't get the feedback about our efforts? Let's say you work on a paragraph of an essay that's due. It's not turned in yet, so you don't get the relief from checking it off your to-do list or the reinforcement of a grade or teacher feedback. It's just the paragraph's done and the essay's less not done. Now what? Generally speaking, if our brains don't reinforce something as beneficial, then we will be likely less motivated to do them. A little meh about them, if you will. Brains want to conserve energy, and it takes a lot of glucose to run these tiny computers in our skulls. So 
something neither harmful nor beneficial will just kind of be flat to our brains. We're not rewarded with focus juice in our brains to engage with the task again or seriously disengage with it because it's dangerous. Sometimes that feedback loop, the time between the action and results, is much too long for our kids. The solution? Find a way to track and reward the small steps. It could be as simple as checking off a completed chunk of an assignment or associated a certain number of tasks completed, yes, even just one task, with a reward. Our brains are a little easy to trick in that way. I have a client who lines up Skittles along her math worksheet. She gets to eat one after she completes each math problem. Her brain loves sugar. Uh, Side note, the sugar can also help boost focus because it provides quick glucose, but don't abuse it. So it helps her get excited as possible to do her math problems. I've never ever met a kid who chooses to fail. Our kids are motivated to do well. They just sometimes wear a lot of protective layers on top of their vulnerable, motivated selves, so we don't see that they are actually stuck. This week, choose to believe your child wants to do well. Choose to believe that you get the opportunity to play detective and find out what is hindering their engagement with whatever they're avoiding. You will learn a lot about your kid and help them solve some problems at the same time. Finally, it's time for this week's pep talk. Hey kid, I just talked your grown-up's ear off about motivation. (laughs) And while I won't redo the whole thing for you, unless you listened in, which high five you, that's awesome. There are a couple cool things that you need to know right now. First, chances are you are motivated to do well. Scratch that. I know in my heart you are motivated to do well. You want to get through school, do your chores, even get along with your siblings. Yet, it's tough to do. Maybe it's a getting started issue. I mean, where do you start? How do you know what to do? Maybe you seem like you're not motivated on the outside, but really you're just worried that you'll be added it anyway. I mean, really, if you think you won't earn a passing grade no matter what, what's the point in trying? Maybe you look a little lazy because you're plain tired this time of year. You've given school all you've got and you need the boost that comes with procrastinating because your brain will deliver focus juice at the last minute when you need it most. Or Maybe you don't feel like the work is worth it. Maybe you don't think your teacher likes you anyways, so your grade is too far behind to fix. Whew! Your grown-up and I just explored the science behind all of this, but the main idea is this. There are strategies for every struggle. You don't need to beat yourself up because you're not motivated. Stop it. That's a waste of time. Instead, Take some time to think about what's keeping you locked out of the task. What do you think or worry about when you think about doing the dreaded thing? If you can clearly see the roadblock, then you can also find a way around it. 
It won't be easy. This time of the school year never is. But you have what it takes to get moving. Yes, even when you don't think you want to. You can picture me in the background cheering, go kid, go kid. You got this and you got me and your grown-ups too. All my love and talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Executive Function Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over to sarahkesti.com where you'll find more resources and chances to connect with others. And please remember to like and review the show wherever you listen to this podcast. We're eager to transform the lives of even more families.